The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from thought leaders who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to address societal topics, and more importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. We've got a special treat for you today. The buzz, we've got the blues, but it's a good thing. Let me start with the business side, and then I'll tell you why the word blues is in my intro. According to Global Web Index, and this is an article from adweek.com, they report that 28% of time spent online believe it or not, that averages almost two hours a day, is on social platforms. And social platforms reach 70% of all internet users. That is huge. Who wouldn't love a 70% response rate to anything today in our very crowded soundbite type of media world? Yes, the reality check for your business, because we're on the business channel and our listeners are business people all over the world, social selling is no longer an option for your business. Let me repeat that. Social selling is no longer an option for your business. Some pressing questions come to mind. They're on the table and we're going to talk about them today. Is the traditional phone, pick up the phone, call, call, or face-to-face sales engagement method a dinosaur? I know, I know, Jurassic Park and all that. It's fun to watch, but it's really not there anymore. Another question. Can your top salespeople still win in the selling game if they don't have what we'll call a digital footprint? You know, no Twitter, no Facebook, no LinkedIn. They're simply not there. And it has been said, if you don't have a digital presence, if you're not online, you do not exist. What about your salespeople? What about the top? Oh, I don't need social. I can do it. Not so sure. We'll find out if that matters today. And... Will the social media bubble burst and replaced by the NBT? Next big thing anytime soon. And there's even one more question. And this goes to the internal workings of your company. Should social selling, we've already decided, we've already established, it's not an option anymore. Should it be owned by your marketing people, by your salespeople, or a meeting of the minds of both departments? Very interesting. When you get up to that C-suite, you've got the head of marketing, head of sales. Do they talk to each other about social or does one or the other? There have the word social selling put on the back of their director's chair. The experts speak. You know, we have a panel of experts, but I don't know whether it's a coincidence or it's what we call beshert. It was fate. But all three of our panelists today have brought us quotes from, wait for it, the Blues Brothers. Yes. Now, to our younger audience, you might have sort of kind of heard about the Blues Brothers, but let me just give a little level set here. The Blues Brothers 
have been called the Blues Brothers Show Band and Review, the Blues Brothers Rhythm and Blues Review. Well, let me take you all the way back to the last millennium, 1976. It was a rhythm and blues revivalist band founded by comedians Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, the late John Belushi, and it was a musical sketch on Saturday Night Live, commonly known as SNL. And Belushi and Aykroyd in character as the lead vocalist Joliet or Jake Blues and harmonica player backing vocalist Elwood Blues, named after the Elwood Ordnance Plant, I can't even go into that, fronted the band, which was composed of well-known and respected musicians. So they debuted in 76, and there was a movie in 1980, a Hollywood film called The Blues Brothers created around their characters. It's part of our culture. It's there. It still exists. So all three panelists have brought us quotes from The Blues Brothers. Now you know what to expect and we are smiling all the way into this. I've invited back a panel that appeared a couple of, well, about two months ago on this series for Social Selling Part 1. Today we're talking Social Selling Part 2, the future of sales, question mark. So let me bring back our first returning panelist, Kurt Shaver, CEO of The Sales Foundry. And here's the quote. This is from Blues Brother Elwood. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark. And we're wearing sunglasses. And Brother Jake says, hit it! (laughs) Kurt Shaver, how am I going to get through this without laughing? How are you, Kurt Shaver? And welcome back. What's new? Great, Bonnie. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't think I was going to be taking life inspiration from the 35-year-old Blues Brothers movie. But, uh, you know, it's certainly, I mean, it's always just a funny quote, and the delivery is fantastic of it. But... You know, when, when, when I think about that particular quote, to me what it really represents is a commitment to action because, mm-hmm. you know, they're, it's a pretty big challenge. They're trying to make it back, obviously, to, the, um, to do this show and uh, in the movie. And so it, it's a pretty big challenge, and they're not really totally prepared, so they don't have everything with them, right? But they pretty much realize that not doing anything guarantees failure, right? So they're not guaranteed a success, but not doing anything guarantees failure. So uh, that's why I think the hit it line is just like, okay, well, you know, we got as much as we're going to go. We got to go. So I, I think it's just that commitment to action that I like. I love it. And by the way, Kurt, if they're wearing sunglasses, anything can happen, right? I, mean, <laughs> exactly. I go I go everywhere with mine. So, and I'm looking at a picture of the Blues Brothers of Elwood and Jake and their Blues Mobile. I have to find out what kind of car that was. And if you have sunglasses on, you're cool and you can go anywhere. So great opening. Thank you, Kurt. Welcome back. Lovely to have you back. And let's go to our second returning panelist. She's Kirsten Boileau, Director of Digital Startup, leading the SAP Social Business and Social Selling Initiatives for SAP Global Marketing. That's a big business card, Kirsten. And here's her quote. It's simply from Elwood. Our Lady of Blessed Acceleration, don't fail me now. Kirsten, welcome back. How are you today? I am great, thank you. Thank you for having me back on the show. I'm excited to be here. We're delighted. By the way, I have to make an announcement before you talk about your quote. Kirsten and I are working together to start a brand new, another, and it'll be number 17, Game Changers Radio Series, debuting, we believe, debuting on on Tuesday, September 8th. 
coming up yeah. very, very soon. And it's going to be called Social Selling with Game Changers. So those of you out there who love the idea of learning more about social selling, Kirsten's going to bring you 13 weeks of thought leaders, of great topics, of insights, of lessons to be learned, of case studies, statistics. It's like a handbook, a primer, a primer, whatever you call it. Lessons to be learned about social selling. So we'll be talking more about that when it comes. Kirsten, now it's time to talk about our quote. Elwood, Our Lady of Blessed Acceleration, don't fail me now. Sounds like what you're thinking about your new series. (laughs) Talk to me, Kirsten. Uh, it's exactly true, and actually, to follow on to Kurt's point about you know taking action and actu- and really following through with social selling, no matter what we have in hand, um, I really feel that we're at that inflection point where uh, social selling has taken hold in almost every industry. People are talking about using social for their selling activities, and it's really time to take it forward and really put it into action um, and and accelerate the um, the opportunities and accelerate the actual uh, motion of social selling um, that's really where I, why I thought it was so um, appropriate for uh, this particular show and um, did never had any interaction with Kurt on his um, on his quote but I think it fits in very well with what he had to say as well it does. It's why, well, hit it and acceleration are really the same thing when you're talking about cars. But Kirsten, acceleration really is, I think, one of our key words for the show today, talking about it's not an option anymore. Every company needs to at least acknowledge the importance of social selling, and then they need to figure out what to do with it, how it fits into their growth plans, how it can help accelerate their growth plans, and what the reality checks are. So, Kirsten, thank you. Great quote. And let's round out our awesome threesome here. We have Jim Fields, Vice President of Customer Experience Marketing, also for SAP. And here's a quote from the brothers. Jake, how often do the trains go by? And Elwood responds, so often that you won't even notice it. Jim Fields, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning. Speaking about... I was going to say, speaking about accelerating, you're on the Long Island Expressway coming back from the East End. So I don't know what the speed limit is this morning, but I hope you're accelerating nicely. So tell me about your quote. I'm in the HOV lane and my daughter's driving, so you don't have to worry about me getting distracted. Thank um, goodness. The, the, the reason I picked this quote is because I think it reminds me of social selling done badly, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all know those those channels, those brands, and those individuals who are constantly just pumping stuff out there, hoping you'll notice it, and it has the opposite effect of that train rumbling past Elwood's window. After a while, he just doesn't even notice it. So you don't want to be the train if Jake and Elwood are your audience. Um, So that's my cautionary note about doing social selling badly. Very interesting. Very interesting. You do want to be noticed. That That is a good point, Jim. Uh, you want to do it right. You want to do it in the right frequency, in the right way. And we all know that the big buzzwords today in social selling are authenticity, responsiveness, being genuine, being uh, knowing what's going on and responding appropriately, not ducking the, t- the difficult stuff, but also not just throwing stuff out there and then not paying attention to what happens after it lands. So a lot of lessons to be learned here. Thank you, Jim. And uh, what's your daughter's name? We'll do a shout out to her. Uh, my daughter is Tess. And she's Tess. a senior in college. 
Yep. Test fields, drive safely. We need dad present and accounted for. And I know what the LIE is like on a weekday morning. So thank you very much. I'm at exit 33, by the way, just in passing. Oh, my goodness. We heard that siren. Let's move it back to Kurt Shaver. And Kurt, you know, this part of the show is just a little coffee break episode. We just want to know. I don't know what the Blues Brothers were drinking. Oh, I'm hearing those sirens. Uh, that's the LIE. <laughs> the blessed lady of acceleration has just taken effect. There you go, Kirsten. We've got her, and she's being chased by Long Island's <laughs> finest. Uh, Kurt Shaver, wherever you are, I hope you're safe and sound. Please tell me, what are you drinking right now, or what are you planning to drink after the show? Well, right now, uh, it's, it's the start of my morning here on the West Coast, so I am uh, drinking some mocha iced coffee in my gigantic Ooh. coffee break for Game Changers mug that you sent me. Thank you very much. Oh, you got the mug. That's right. That's the right. Congratulations. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's fantastic. Enjoy. Uh, so I, I decided that I was going to uh, drink my iced coffee, and rather than, rather than put a plant in it, I decided to. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to use it. Uh, for my iced coffee. And, you know, I've never really been a, a true coffee drinker, but uh, about a year ago my sister was house-sitting for us when we were on vacation, and she was into the iced coffee thing, and she left like a half carton in the refrigerator when we got back, and so um, I I gave it a try, and then I just got hooked. And so that that's kind of my fairly new thing in the last year is those iced mocha coffees. Good stuff. It sounds wonderful, and we're very honored that you're using our official mug. Thank you for not making it a planter. But if eventually that's the way it goes, that's fine, too, (laughs) and you have to tweet about it. By the way, we have a couple of tweeters today. We have John Ward, who says, interesting discussion about social selling, now live on hashtag SAP Radio. Thank you, John. Shout out. Good morning to you. And Akua Odoi from the social media team here who sponsors this series, Meet the Visionary Game Changers. She says, every company needs to acknowledge the importance importance of social selling. You are right, Akua. Listen to hashtag SAP Radio with Kurt Shaver, Kirsten Boyleau, and Fields JJ. There we go. We could say in Tess as well. So thank you, Kurt. Enjoy your iced. And Kirsten Boyleau, what are you drinking today? I am at the office today, so I am actually drinking a chai latte. Um, and I have it in my great, my beautiful Singapore zoo mug. I bought it at the Singapore Zoo last year. And it's massive, probably about as big as the uh, the Game Changers mug. And um, I, I'm when I'm here, I love drinking these chai lattes that I can get at the uh, in the kitchen here. <laughs> so, and what does a chai latte taste like? Tell me, tell me a little bit about the flavor, Kirsten. Uh, chai lattes are um, very. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, lots of cardamom and spices, um, mm. that kind of uh, tea, but with that spicy taste. Sounds uh, good. I'm going to have to try one. With the milk base, it's yummy. Thank you for the thank you for the uh, introduction to chai latte. I got to go get one after the show. And Jim Fields, I don't know what you're balancing there on your lap while you're speeding down the, while Tess is speeding you down the LIE. But are you drinking anything right now, or what are you thinking about drinking when you land somewhere? I have a travel cup, and I am drinking some coffee from the Kauai Coffee Company in Hawaii. Mm. And uh, that's in honor of my son Jack, who trained in Kauai and is now working with the Fish and Wildlife uh, Agency on Johnson Atoll, which is 700 miles southeast, southwest of Hawaii. 
Wow. You have a well-traveled yeah. family from the LIE to Hawaii and coffee yeah. in between. <laughs> Give a shout-out to your son as well. That's a great profession, by the way. Tell him hello. Terrific. And he yes. loves chai latte. That's Ah. Well, now we can say it's all in the family. I think, uh, Kirsten, I think you ought to get this awesome threesome on one of your new shows when your new series starts, and we'll just call you the the Blues Triplets or something like that. I don't know. We'll come up, we'll come up with something. This is too good to pass up. Anyway, Kirsten. Shaver at the Sales Foundry, Kirsten Boyleau at SAP and Jim Fields at SAP are our returning panelists. Our topic today is social selling part two, the future of sales, question mark, anybody with a company that has to sell and what company doesn't needs to listen in. These three smart people are going to share with us the reality check on what is the current status of social selling. What does your company need to do about it? Is it owned by marketing or sales or a combination thereof? Do your top salespeople need to have a digital footprint? Do you need to be responsive to whatever comes your way on social? And all of those big important questions. And is cold calling a dinosaur that we don't want to see on the big screen? courtesy of Spielberg or whoever is doing that these days. A lot of interesting questions. We're going to try and touch on them all when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Meet the Visionary Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. And again, our topic, social selling, part two, the future of sales, question mark. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin, out. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The world is at an inflection point where we capture more information than ever before and are more interconnected. While this has led to technological breakthroughs where new industries have been created, there are still new areas evolving where billions of people can be reached. All it takes is to unlock the transformative power of technological change to improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Meet the Visionary Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Meet the Visionary Game Changers. Welcome back, and that's exactly who we have today, Visionary Game Changers. By the way, the Twitter channel at hashtag SAP Radio is filling up fast. We have a tweet from Nick Robinson. Nick wants to be counted in on the party. He says, Nick's here too. I see you, Nick. Great picture. He asks, should social selling be owned by marketing or sales? And he gives the link to the show. Welcome, Nick. And we also have Christine Donato tweeting under the handle C-M-D-O-N-A-T-O. And she said, social selling just makes sense. 
learn why. Tune into the second half of Hashtag SAP Radio Show now, and she kindly gave the link as well. Beautiful picture, Christine. And here we go. Our guests today are Kurt Shaver from the Sales Foundry, Kirsten Boyleau at SAP, Jim Fields at SAP, and the tweet are, oh, Kurt Shaver, you're talking and tweeting at the same time. Very good. We appreciate that. Kurt, you're up first. We're going to start the roundtable, and we have a lot to talk about. So let me read your provocative opening sentence here, and I'll have you expand it. Then we'll invite Kirsten and Jim to chime in. You say, sales experts talk about social selling as a brand new skill. The activities seem new in part because they are so old. You got me confused here. Kurt, tell me what this means. Well, really what I'm talking about is it's uh, the difference of what are the principles and what are the tools and actions, right? I think that so many, again, whether it's organizations or uh, leaders really at the organizations, right, they they, they get all confused and uh, maybe sometimes um, scared by all these new things they hear about social this and social that. But when you think about it, right, think, think about the term social selling. Let's focus on the last word there, selling. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the principles of it still all apply, right? I mean, the principle, I've been you know, in sales over 30 years, right? And so, you know, I went through things like the Dale Carnegie course, which the foundation of that was written in the 30s, in the 1930s, mm-hmm. uh, how to win friends and influence people. Yep. And, uh, you, you know, you have other, like, classic sales things like Harvey McKay and his 66 things that you should know about your customer. And, and all of these things come down to these basic uh, principles that really even could go beyond sales, but it's, you know, it's, it's connectivity, it's rapport, it's relationships. And so mm-hmm. all of those uh, elements, all of those fundamental elements are, are still key to social selling. It's just that the the social aspect of it brought about by the emergence of social networks like LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. uh, have have introduced a new tool to it. But you know we're used to that. We didn't always have telephones. We didn't always have email. We didn't always have the internet. You know we didn't always have these things, and they just got incorporated into the regular selling. So um, I mean it's interesting. One one of my best <laughs> clients ever. Um, is a 72-year-old chairman of an insurance company. He's been at his own company for 48 years, and yet he realized that, that, that social networking is basically just like the LinkedIn of the 21st century. So, uh, again, it's, it's basic principles just applied to new tools. Very well put. And, Kurt, before I bring in Kirsten and Jim on this, I have to get one more comment in from your notes because this is so telling. And, by the way, my comment on what you just shared with us is the old French saying, my favorite, plus ça change, plus ça la même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And you're saying the foundations of selling are still the foundations of selling. Relationship building, trust, authenticity, all kinds of good things, and we're going to be talking more about that. But you say here in your notes, why social networks are like a 1989 Ford Taurus. And Kurt says back in the day when he first started in field selling, his company sent him boxes of, you all know what this is, brochures and data sheets and catalogs and even posters to put on the wall. And guess where Kurt kept them? In the trunk of his black Ford Taurus. Tell me quickly, fast forward 30 years later, what are we doing? What's similar with social networks and all of these brochures where you used to run them off at Kinko's and then you'd handwrite notes in the margins? to customize them for your customers. What's, how has that come forward with us, Kurt? Yeah, well, it, it, it occurred to me it's really the exact same thing for today's mm-hmm. 
salesperson, isn't it? I mean, they, they get uh, a lot of content from, it's just it's digital now. So they get content from marketing, just like they used to mail me boxes of brochures. Um, but the value of the salesperson is to individualize it, make it relevant to a particular customer prospect that they know. They know their requirements. They know their culture. They know their style. So whether they're physically putting a post-it note on a brochure that was printed by marketing, they're scratching on it. It's, it's basically the same as when they comment, whether they're tweeting or taking a piece of company content, posting it as a LinkedIn update, but they're putting their own editorial up on the top of it. It's really the same thing. So that's why I say it's combining the best of both worlds. Yes, let's have professionally created content coming out of marketing, but let's let the sales individual salesperson put their little bit of customized spin to make it that much more relevant for the customer. So basically social networks, in my mind, are like my 1989 Ford Taurus. It's just much easier to get all that digital stuff in the trunk. I appreciate that, and I think Jake and Elwood would too. There you go, Kurt. we got to get them in there. Kirsten, you're waiting in the wings. Talk to us. What do you think about what Kurt just shared? Uh, I would absolutely agree with what Kurt's talking about, and particularly around where it comes to context for the customer. Um, you, you can share all kinds of content uh, to your networks and um, you know, send it out via email. But if you just send, um, you know, just a, the generic link to the contact content without adding some sort of spin on it, some sort of your own opinion, pulling out a, st- a statistic or a fact that will really resonate and, and make it relevant for your customer, um, it just becomes part of the noise. And so you, it, I think it's absolutely crucial to add, make sure you add that context. It's the same as, you know, when you're handing your, that brochure to your customer, you, you talk to them about why they need to actually flip open the first page. Um, so I would, you know, I think it's really part of how we uh, engage with our customers, how we make it relevant and educational uh, for, for them and make it worthwhile for them to actually click into those articles. Thank you. Very important point. And by the way, I must point out that Kirsten was recently, I'm looking at your bio here, you were recently recognized in an article on Forbes.com for your LinkedIn profile and your personal brand. Congratulations again, and you are part of that world. Social, social, social. Thank you. Jim Fields, thoughts on what Kurt and Kirsten just shared? Yeah, I um, I, I would expand on those comments a little bit by saying um, that, and we've been using this phrase since we did a blog series on this last fall called The Future of Sales is Marketing. And what that means is if you think of marketing traditionally as being kind of a nurture process, right, where you move somebody through the awareness cycle, through the preference cycle, to a decision point, that was typically marketing's function to handle the early to mid um, you know, cycles of that process. Um, and today it, it's really um, becoming more and more a requirement of salespeople to engage much earlier. I mean, one of the most mis or I should say overused quotes, it, it, statistics is, you know, how much of the research uh, customers are doing these days online by themselves before they engage with sales. So it's incumbent upon salespeople to really um, have their own education and nurture processes going with their customers and prospects well before they reach that decision point. And so that's why 
Um, you know, if you think about the future of sales, it does start to look a lot more like what that traditional marketing function has been. Thank you, Jim. Kurt, any comments on this thread we've star- that you started with us? Any thoughts on what Kirsten and Jim just added? Um, well, you know, I, I like Jim's um, quote there, the, the blog. He said the future of sales is marketing. Um, you know, I, I would take it all the way back around to the circle. I think the future of marketing is sales. I mean, I think those two... Mm-hmm. I think those two functions are both coming together, right? So everything that Jim said with the sales people um, doing more inbound marketing and sharing content, but you know, I think that we're, I think that's what's happening right now. I think what's already happened is that that marketing, to a large extent, you know, took the focus off um, branding and things like that, and the focus really went to lead generation, right? What much more tangible, measurable lead generation seems to over the last five years, I think has been much more of a focus in marketing. So I think they're both kind of meeting in the middle. Okay, good point. Thank you very much. I'm going to move this discussion in the direction of how do we know it works? And I'm looking at some notes from Kirsten Boyleau before the show. You sent me these, Kirsten. Uh, We've said already, we've established that you can't ignore it. It's important. It's out there. Social networks are reaching 70% of Internet users. Okay, we've established that they have the attention of everybody, but do they really work? So let me read your note here, and I'll have you explain it. You say social selling is moving beyond the stage of initial excitement and proving that it works. Many are now working toward actual execution. Let's talk nuts and bolts here. How do you make it really work? Is it how many tweets? How many uh, chats do you how many discussions do you join on a LinkedIn thread? Uh, what's your tone of voice when you connect with somebody on LinkedIn? Do you send a link to your brochure, to the brochure in the back? It used to be in the back of your Ford Taurus. What, when do you send them that great article that you just found that's going to help them understand how to move their business forward? So let's talk about execution, Kristen. Why don't you go ahead? Well, I think that when it comes to actual edu- execution of social selling, uh, it's the same. We've talked about this earlier that, you know, sales has always been about relationships and it always will be about relationships. And, you know, when you were standing in front of your customer with your brochure in hand, it was a lot harder for them to turn around and walk away from you if they got tired of what you had to say. Uh, so, uh, you know, in some cases, when you were standing in front of them, you got a better chance to to share your message um, and be a little bit more um, upfront with your with your selling activities. When it comes to social, people can shut you off in a second. There's mm-hmm. no um, and there's no repercussions for that. So you have to be very very careful when you're um, <clears throat> out there engaging in the conversation. It's about building relationships first. And first and foremost, and adding value to the conversation. Uh, you know, in terms of nuts and bolts, I, I don't know that there's any real right answer. It, it depends on how engaged you are with the customer. Um, you know, are you going to send them 10 direct messages a day? Absolutely not. I mean, that would be on the absolute far end of the spectru- spectrum of, of um, accessibility and, uh, you know, taking advantage of that relationship. But making sure that you are adding value to the conversation when they, you know, comment on somebody's article or start a discussion in a particular group, then having the opportunity to um, add value by adding your own thought leadership 
bringing up another supporting article or asking a question. I think asking questions is always a great way to engage a person in conversation because you then have to listen instead of always speaking. And I always say, you know, we have, we have two ears and one mouth. We need to listen as twice as much as we speak. And I think that that can really uh, be kind of the, the main um, rule of thumb for absolutely engaging in social selling you know, making sure that you're listening, gaining insight, and then uh, speaking in a very relevant and educational way to your customers. Um, yeah, I think that's that. Really, when it comes to execution, it's 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 all about making sure that you build those relationships first before trying to make that hard sell, because they can. Your customers absolutely can turn you off in a second. Exactly. You can't go out and say, boy, do I have a product for you, or we're having a special in the next 19 and a half minutes, call us now. You can't do that. You have to engage on the social level and the value add. And one of your keywords, Kirsten, was thought leadership. Absolutely. Jim Fields, love to have you weigh in on this, on execution, nuts and bolts, the trial and error of how do you reach out to potential customers, to valued prospects on social media without doing it too fast and going in the wrong direction. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to first just go back quickly to your what you mentioned before, how do we know it works? Mm-hmm. And my colleague, Nick Robinson, who you mentioned earlier in the call, yes. has done some research on this using our own sales teams, and he found that the account executives who are uh, most active socially and digitally are 80% more likely to exceed their quotas than those that aren't. So... There's pretty hard evidence that um, this kind of engagement works. Now, may that flatten out over time as it becomes, you know, more mainstream perhaps, but those who are good at it I think will continue to advance the frontiers of, you know, this this type of relationship building and, you know, continue to stay ahead. And so I think it does go back to, um, you know, some of what Kurt was saying about the trunk of his Taurus. It's not you know, what's in that trunk, but it's what you do with it and how you position it in a way that what our friend Jay Bayer would call being helpful, right? The more mm-hmm. helpful you can be to your prospects and customers, the more they will allow you to be helpful to them. And over time, that can't help to lead to sales. Sorry about that bad pun, but... <laughs> That's okay. You you got it out. It's fine. You're driving. It's cool. Kurt, talk to us. What do you think? A lot of thoughts going around here. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of actually um, implementing it, it's, 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 it has a lot of parallels. Uh, I'm sure we've got a lot of people on the call that are, have gone through, or at least familiar with a, a CRM implementation mm-hmm. in a company. And uh, I often say, having been a former VP of sales that implemented them and then a Salesforce.com consultant for a while that rescued them, the, uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of similarities because at the, at the core, you're trying to uh, build new habits in a sales team um, around some new technology. So from that standpoint, it has similarities of implementing a CRM system. So the good news is from a technology integration standpoint, Social networking is incredibly easier because, by and large, most social networks just, you know, they operate independently, and you're probably not even buying an enterprise license, and people can just jump on. So the technical IT part of it is nothing compared to CRM. Um, but, the, but, that's only, but that's 10% of the project, right? The hard part is, again, mm-hmm. 90% of it is the people part. How do you change habits and get them to do it? And so when you look Absolutely. at it that way, it, it's a big deal. It's, it's, it's hard to 
change those habits universally across a sales team. It takes months and months and months, if if not more, you know, if not years, um, mm-hmm. and lots of all the things you do in, in any kind of a sales training, all right? It's methodology, it's training, it's reinforcements, it's sales managers on board, it's contest, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, it takes time, and you're just not, I think some, so many times people think they're going to have instant results. No, it's a process. It takes time, and people have to learn new habits. And, and Kurt, I have a question for you. Is it like living in a fishbowl when you enter into the world of social selling? Every tweet, every comment on a LinkedIn thread or a discussion chat, uh, every email can be duplicated, replicated, forward, passed on, quoted. You are out there. One little tweet can go to hundreds of thousands of people. You are on record. Is that scary for people who are starting social selling? Yeah, it certainly it, it certainly can be for some people. I mean, you know, I think that's a glass half full scenario. I would look at it that way, right? If you say, wait a minute, one salesperson's message can go to a million people. Wow, we've got five hundred salespeople. Do do that math. So, you know, I I would look at that and say that's that's a tremendous opportunity. But uh, yeah, of course, I mean, somebody might look at it. Uh, <laughs> you know, being a sales guy that works with sales things, the the last thing I want to hear in a social initiative is, well, we need to get you know, we need to get uh, legal involved and compliance to vet all these policies. It's like, no, that, that's going to, no, no, that's, that's going to delay us three years, right? Um, so, again, let's go back to the, uh, the Blues Brothers quote. Did they have everything they absolutely needed to get back to Chicago? No. But they also realized that, hey, you know what, we got enough, right? Done is better than perfect. Let's go. Let's get started. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're not going to, uh, like burn down Twitter or something because of something that they that they said. So I think it's a matter of jump in, you know, learn. Can you make a mistake? Sure. Move forward. Um, but don't let it paralyze you. Okay. Kirsten, I heard you in the background. Thoughts on what's just been said? I was, uh, yeah, I was absolutely agreeing with Kurt when it, when it comes to change management. Um, and it takes time. It, it really takes time and it takes reinforcement. Uh, one of the things that I've learned over the last couple of years is that you can talk to a team till you're blue in the face, but unless you actually follow it up with some, some incorporating the, the, the skills and concepts that they've just learned into their everyday activities and really connect the two pieces uh, into their actual sales cycles, um, you're really not going to get a whole lot of uh, change out of them. You're not going to get a whole lot of results uh, and opportunities and revenue driving coming out of, out of their social selling activities because they don't see the value um, in, in what they're doing, uh, in the, the training that, they, that you've given them. It, it requires a real connection and a real uh, cooperation and collaboration between the various teams. I mean, we, we talked mostly today about sales and marketing being, you know, working hand-in-hand and really collaborating mm-hmm. across the organization to make social selling work. But I think it absolutely encompasses so many other parts of the organization, uh, enablement and um, leadership, uh, having that top-down approach. And, and, you know, as Kurt mentioned, contests and competitions, sales reps are always very competitive. And giving them that kind of um, competitive spirit, uh, some sort of uh, 
thing to work towards to be the best at. Uh, mm-hmm. It gets them interested, gets them excited, and, and gets them actually changing their habits. Um, change management is such a huge, huge part of social selling. It's not like just giving them a new tool and telling them to go at it and you know, forcing them to actually you know, use the tool. It is getting them to understand the concepts behind the tool, giving them the tool to actually apply them, and then following that up with some real uh, change management activities, incorporating it into their everyday uh, sales motion. Thank you, Kirsten. Let's move into a slightly different direction. Let's expand out of what we call sales and marketing, thinking of a person with the the right letter on their sweatshirt or on their coffee cup, I am sales, I am marketing. Let's expand the discussion into some notes from Jim Fields. Jim, you said very astutely, every employee is a brand ambassador. They may not know it, but they are. So company should proactively leverage this. Let me just read a math problem Jim gave me, and then Jim, I'll have you take it over. You say, if a company has 10,000 employees, okay, a lot of companies listening to us do, and each of those employees has connections with 500 contacts across their various social networks. Now, that's not a lot. How many people do we meet? I know Kirsten with her her award-winning LinkedIn profile probably has a heck of a lot more than 500 contacts, but let's say 10,000 employees each has 500 contacts. That's a built-in access for the company company to 5 million people. And guess what? That can drive a lot of influence and a lot of brand preference. So let's take the discussion back from just sitting at the marketing and sales table and to every employee as the brand ambassador and extend the discussion of social selling. Jim Fields, all yours. That's great. Thanks, Bonnie. And I was trying Mm -hmm. to be conservative in that math. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of companies have many more um, employees, partners, and other people in their ecosystems, uh, and and many of those have more than 500 contacts. But if you look at how e- how quickly that number gets to 5 million, it's pretty amazing, right? So here's this built-in set of people who are listening to us. There's a reason that they've connected with us through one of these social networks, right? It's because they value um, us and what we have to say. So what an opportunity that is to really help achieve some corporate objectives through your people by enabling them to be brand ambassadors. In some cases, it might be helping to humanize a brand that maybe at, at its surface is kind of hard to understand or maybe seen as cold and distant. It could be to um, crowdsource ideas that can be fed back into product development. It could be just good storytelling about um, you know, what great things your customers are doing in conjunction with you. It could be uh, some of your corporate social responsibility activations. Um, you know, the, the possibilities are endless, and when, when you, when you act, can activate in an organized way your employees to become brand ambassadors, you get a huge multiplier effect that can create a lot of goodwill. Uh, for the organization and over time really help move the dial in terms of you know, how your brand and its people are perceived in, in the marketplace. Um, and I would, I would also note back to what Kirsten said um, that it can work the other way as well, and we've seen it too, right? There are plenty of examples of where companies have done things in this regard and, you know, the networks have turned against them, um, and mm-hmm. now you're in crisis mode. So I think your 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 uh, your people are out there. Our people are out there. There's active social and digital uh, personas 
They are a channel for companies and brands to get their word out. And so I think it's really important for companies to thoughtfully approach that opportunity in ways where it brings value to the employees, right, where they're, they're able to build out their personal brands better because they're being enabled with new tools, with new kinds of content, with access to a broader network. Um, it brings value to the brand because of the things I just mentioned. And then ho- hopefully it brings value to the people that you want to influence um, that in ways that uh, persuade them to take a closer look at and become more attached to and maybe even loyal to your brand. So I think this is kind of the next generation of what started out as social selling. It would be, you know, employees as social ambassadors on a large scale. Thank you. Kurt, thoughts on what Jim just added, brand ambassador? So I think brand ambassador employee engagement across the entire employee base is a great big picture long-term goal. I totally get the amplification, right? And Jim used the example of 10,000 employees. Totally get it. From from a realistic standpoint, uh, my my ex- experience and kind of recommendation is do it in phases. Uh, you know, phase one is <clears throat> marketing's already there. Do it in, in phases in a uh, departmental way. So marketing's already there. Been doing it for five years. Great. So we've got that small group of marketing people. They get it. Okay. But then my advice is next, do sales before you get to, you know, engineering, accounting, legal, administration, all these other people, right? And there's a handful of reasons why, okay? It's kind of a low-hanging fruit thing. First off, in most B2B sales organizations, sales has one of, if not the largest, head count. So that's a big chunk of the people. They Mm -hmm. certainly have the biggest social networks uh, because that's sort of their job, as is experience talking to customers, right? So, um, and then the last thing is, beyond any other department in the company, they have a financial incentive, actually, Mm -hmm. for promoting their company, like a direct, like, commission check in the wallet financial incentive. So I think if you look at their, their, it's the big, you know, they're the people in the company departmentally with the the biggest network, the most reach, the most access, the most experience talking to customers and a financial incentive. So I'd say, next, let's get them running. And then phase three, let's look at, you know, everybody else. And, and I've seen companies have success where they, they do the everybody else on a volunteer basis so that you get people that, are, that want to do it. Um, so that would be kind of my comment on the, on the bigger employee engagement idea. Thank yeah, you very much. It's an either-or yep. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at it as an implementation uh, point of view, then your point, Kurt, of doing it in phases makes a lot of sense. And maybe it's a matter of priorities than pure, you know, phase one, phase two, because one of the points I was trying to make is that many of our employees are out there already uh, functioning in these social uh, environments in ways that reflect back on the brand and the company for for whom they work. Uh, And so I think it, it warrants some investment in enablement, in training, even in governance, where that makes sense, um, to help these people become, you know, more effective on the one hand and also, um, you know, do no harm on the other hand. Thank you. Kirsten, thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to mention that I 
you know, um, Kurt says you know, marketing's already there in the social world, and yes, many of them are. But interestingly enough, uh, they don't view their own personal channels as um, as you know a, a representation of the brand. And um, from my experience, anyway, and a lot of them need help in actually developing their own brand as the foundation. To, uh, to representing the, the company brand. Uh, I think that's one of the areas that needs to be focused on. And it, even within the, the marketing department, I think that's, it's one of the biggest things that I see. Uh, we think that they're very social where they're, you know, writing blogs and they're writing Twitter plans and they're using social to amplify their message, their marketing message, but they're, they're missing the boat in being able to actually amplify the message into their own networks, um, through their own personal channels. And, and I think that's where, you know, as, as uh, Jim mentioned, the enablement and change management for all areas is, is actually really key to, to implementing something like um, employee advocacy. Thank you, Kirsten. Guess what? We have three questions I posed at the beginning that I think we still need to answer before we end the show. And we're about four minutes away from our predictions round. So I'm just going to really go round table, round robin, around the table and see what your answers are. Let's start with question number one. Kurt Shaver, is traditional phone calling, I'll call it cold calling, and face-to-face sales engagement a dinosaur? Or can it still be worked into the next phase of social selling when you have to actually look people in the eyes? Uh, What's your answer to that quickly, Kurt? Uh, yeah, I think the mediums of face-to-face, telephone, email, all those things um, all still apply absolutely where uh, case dictates it. Um, but nobody should ever make a cold call any, anymore in terms of being blind to information because everything is so available on the social web. Okay. Kirsten, thoughts on that? Traditional phone and face-to-face dinosaur or part of the mix? I absolutely think it's part of the mix. It may come a little bit later, um, and I think you may have already created a relationship with um, your target contact before ever reaching out via phone or email, uh, but I think it's absolutely part of the mix. I don't think you can do sales without it. It's on, like online dating. You chat a couple times on the site, and then you exchange phone numbers, and <laughs> then you have coffee. That's the way it's supposed to be. How would I know? Okay, Jim Fields, thoughts? <laughs> Jim. One of my summer jobs one year was working for an employment agency where we had to recruit people and find openings. Yes. And they, the sales managers would literally rip a page from the yellow pages, hand it to you, and say, start calling. Wow. So to Kurt's, to Kurt's point, hopefully those days are over. Kirsten's um, too young to remember that. I know that. Yeah. Well, and then at lunch they would send us out into the streets of Manhattan to try and meet people that we could then bring. It was an interesting oh. business model, but it actually worked for its time. But um, with, with, the, with the wealth of information that's available about companies and people, cold calling should never happen anymore, but face-to-face will always have its place. Um, As uh, our former CMO, Jonathan Becker, used to say, people buy from people, not from glass buildings. Exactly. Exactly right. And corporations don't have emotions and a heart, but people do. Uh, Quick comment on that, Jim. Uh, Some of our younger listeners around the world may not even know what yellow pages are. So (laughs) the kind that we used to print in books that had a yellow cover, they may not even know what that is. So what can I tell you? You know, the idea of hobbies is now passions, landline phones, antiquity. We're talking about dinosaurs. Let's move on. Back to Kurt Shaver. Can your top salespeople still win without a digital footprint? Yes or no? And a one sentence answer. Yes. Ah, ah, 
why? I sense part three is coming on this one. Quickly, why? How can they win without a digital footprint? I mean, they, you know, they, they, they can. They're going against the odds, I think, in certain, um, uh, certain industries. And if they've been around for a long time and have a big book and it's sort of the way they operate, yes, they can. But it's going to be dwindling. It's going to be t- tougher than ever. Both their customers and competitors are going to be gravitating more and more towards digital and social networks. So, you know, can they still win? Yes. You know, no one never say never, but the odds are getting tougher and it's going to be dwindling. Thank you. Reality check. Kirsten, thoughts? No digital footprint win or get in the back of the back of the class and you're not going to be on the honor roll soon? (laughs) Uh, Is it possible? Yes. Is it, uh, you know, probable in the future? No. Um, I think I I read a a report recently that came, I believe it was from IDC, although it could be wrong, that said that by the year 2020, you know, half of our current sales force will be out of a job, especially if they don't embrace social. Like, it's just, it's the way of the future, and and it's not going to, you know, if you're you're never going to embrace it, you're not going to be around long, but perhaps those ones that are, are refusing to embrace it will be retired by 2020. Who knows? And maybe, maybe they need to. Jim Fields, thoughts? You can absolutely be successful without a digital footprint. The key is, the key to success in selling is to be a strategic advisor to your customer and prospect. And there are many ways to get there. So as long as you can attain that status, it doesn't really matter what tools you use to get there. It's highly valued by your customers. Thank you. Guess what? I'm going to move this into our predictions round, the crystal ball segment. However, I'm going to ask all three of our wonderful panelists to please include in your predictions the answer to the following question. Will the social media bubble burst soon, and will it be replaced by what, if yes? So, Kurt Shaver, I'm going to give you exactly 60 seconds for your predictions, and please mention social media bubble. Is it here to stay? Is it going to burst? When and what will happen next? Go ahead, Kurt. 60 seconds. Go. I don't think it's going to burst. I think it's just going to be incorporated um, into everything. So I don't think it's going to warrant its own, you know, radio shows or blogs anymore because it'll just be uh, another communication channel that people use, like phone and email and everything else. To, I, to me, I think the biggest thing that is going to change, and, and um, Kirsten had sort of mentioned about incorporating social into everyday op- uh, operations, I think the biggest change is that. All these social things are going to be incorporated into the systems they use, which, again, is mostly CRM. Right now, it's, a, it's sort of a bolt-on uh, situation where third-party apps are kind of getting smashed into the CRM systems. And I think by mm-hmm. 2020, it'll really all just be incorporated from the ground up. Thank you very much. Kirsten Boyleau, predictions, 60 seconds, social media bubble burst or not. Go ahead. Uh, I, I don't think it'll burst. I think it'll become part of all of the other bubbles that are out there, and it'll just become one more bubble, as uh, as Kurt mentioned. I don't think we'll no longer be looking to count the ROI of, of social selling. It will be just part of the way we do business. We don't count the ROI of phone calls anymore, although except for to to look at, you know, how does it um, not work. Uh, and... And so we, uh, it'll just become part of our, our everyday vernacular. It'll become a part of the everyday activities, and um, it, it will be expected when you're hired on as a sales rep. 
Ah, thank you. And Nick Robinson just tweeted, digital is social and social is digital. Thank you, Nick. A man of brief words. He gets the 140 characters. Jim Fields, I saved exactly 60 seconds for your prediction. Social media bubble, etc. Go ahead, Jim. I think the social media bubble as a market will burst. There's too many mm. companies chasing and too much money chasing too many too few opportunities to really break through in a category. So I think there'll be consolidation, not quite as dramatic as you saw in the dot-com era, but there will be winners and losers, um, and the winners will get bigger, and the losers will go on to start up other next big thing companies. Um, but I think social media itself is here to stay, and you know, social media is becoming media for the emerging generations. Okay, thank you very much. Brief and to the point, and I appreciate it. We've got one minute to close. I want to say thank you so much. Kurt Shaver, wonderful to have you back. Kirsten Boyleau, you and I are going to be working very closely together on your new series debuting Tuesdays. Let's see, 10 a.m. on the Business Channel. That's Eastern Time starting on September 8th. Everybody listen up and watch for news about that new show. And Jim Fields, thank you. And thank you to Tess for being a good driver. We really appreciate that. Thank you very much. We're just about out of time. Uh, looking forward to more conversation about social selling. Hope you all learned a lot. And send us your questions at hashtag SAP Radio. We want to do a shout-out to Akua and Nick and John and Christine for tweeting their Shuts these off during the show and capturing some of the wonderful words of wisdom, many of the words of wisdom of our wonderful panelists. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Justin and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us on the air. I'll be back next week with another edition of Something. We currently have 16 different series and eight of them are live production. It Just roll the dice. We'll be back with Game Changers Radio next week. Can't wait to talk to you then. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.